team so helpful during our home buying process their knowledge friendliness expertise made the whole process so much smoother we highly recommend them if you were thinking of buying a new home danny said my wife and i just closed on our new home and alex and his team were so very helpful throughout the entire process when it seemed everyone else was dragging their feet not responding to our calls alex took the lead made sure everything was good to go at closing thank you alex and those are the sorts of reviews that you get when you talk with people who have used IWantAGreatHomeLoan.com, particularly people who have prior to that used someone else. Whether it's the bank that I've used my entire life or oh, on the internet and it makes it sound so easy. It may be easy to pull up the website, but then if you, if you have a problem, or if your situation happens to be perhaps a little more complicated than a straightforward case, you get dropped, it becomes frustrating, it can become very stressful. This is where they specialize. So for all of your home loan needs, big, small, or just any questions that you may have regarding, is this the right time? Should I wait until interest rates, or should I go ahead and pay off the rest of my home loan? I got 40000 left. I just got a $100,000 inheritance. It makes sense to pay it off right. Don't make moves like that without consulting with them first so they can not necessarily tell you this is what you, you, know, this is what you will do, but, hey, this, these are the bits of information that may help you make the decision. If you're asking me what I would do, here's what I might do, but this is my case, so forth. I want a great homeloan.com because you do. A couple of weeks ago, it was exposed that the racist mayor of Boston had accidentally, or her office had accidentally sent out an email to white people inviting them to a party, a Christmas party in which white people weren't invited. Because if Christmas says anything, it's to be racist and divide people. Uh, that, of course, is the true meaning of Christmas to the Democrat mayor of Boston. Pitting people against one another based off skin color. Must be a version of the Christian Bible I'm not familiar with, but hey, I've not read them all. Ahead of... Boston Democrat Mayor Michelle Wu's No Whites Christmas Party, the council was debating whether or not to allow non-citizens to vote in city elections. This is becoming increasingly popular in this country. The council first discussed the issue during the December 4th council meeting when Councilor Kendra Laura introduced a home rule petition to open the polls to non-citizens saying we have people who, despite not being able to give in a voice in our local government through the ballot of work, sacrifice, and vet, you know, you, you know the song and dance. The council members heard from Jessica Carpenter, a city clerk in Tacoma Park, Maryland, 
who told them her small jurisdiction had hundreds of non-citizens registered as voters after they began allowing non-citizens to vote there. However, it became clear that Boston, which reportedly has 672,000 residents, with 28.2 being foreign-born, according to the city website, would have thousands and thousands of non-citizen voters to identify if the ordinance were passed, making record-keeping far more difficult task for uh, it than Tacoma Park, as an example. Tacoma Park had 72 non-residents, so th this article is highlighting the absurd level of additional work and difficulty in identifying these individuals. You're talking about a massive number of individuals here. Now, a couple of things about this. One, the, the reason that this is common, as you know, right now, people who are not American are not allowed to vote in federal elections, presidential elections, so forth. A tactic that the Democrats use in order to steal elections is to make them messy and confusing. When things get messy and confusing, they utilize that. It's, it's the same method they use over and over again to count any and all ballots. Once you count them, you can't uncount them oftentimes. And then if Republicans, and this has happened over and over again, say, well, now wait a minute, they're counting ballots that are not legal ballots. They accuse Republicans of trying to disenfranchise voters. It's, it's the same thing over and over again. One of the ways that they can create confusion, and they have created confusion, and this is one of the areas that a number of states vexed the 2020 presidential election. You will have, for example, as the legislature in a particular state will say, all right, well, mail-in ballots have to be postmarked by this date, or they have to have a signature and a date. These are things they have to have. And then in a number of different states, you would have a Democrat attorney general or secretary of state say, yeah, I don't like those rules. Go ahead and count the ones that aren't legal. And, and, and they're all in the mix, right? So it all gets in the mix of things. And once you count them, uncounting them is something that cannot happen. And once again, for marketing purposes, they claim when Republicans try to simply require that the law be adhered to, they, as Republicans, are accused of trying to undermine an election, overturn an election, have people's votes taken away from them. So how does that relate to Democrats, and in some areas of the country they've already done this, allowing non-citizens to vote in local elections? Well, oftentimes you will have on ballots, and it's going to depend on the state, local elections on the same ballot as a presidential, a U.S. Senate, a congressional race. And, and so what happens in these instances? And areas that don't have that, you create it that way. So, oh, we're going to save money. We're going to consolidate these local elections with these federal elections. Well, then what? You're going to have separate ballots. 
And if you do, do you know how easy it is to give someone the wrong ballot? Not to mention, even if there are separate elections, you know, you've got local elections in April, and then you have the other elections in August and November, and you have individuals that are registered to vote in local elections, and they show up on one of those others, you know how easy it's going to be for them to vote, is essentially that's what all of this is about. And the thing about a ballot is it does not have your name on it when you go to the polling place. So if somebody who is a non-citizen and is, quote, legally allowed to vote in a jurisdiction and they show up for an election that isn't local and they're given a ballot and they fill it out and it gets submitted, there's no way to undo that. When that vote is counted, you don't know, oh, well, that person voted this way or that. I mean, we know generally how they vote, which is why Democrats attempt this and succeed at it in many instances. This is all about creating as much confusion as possible. Because the more confusion, the more chaos, the better it is for the Democrats. And this is all about uh, utilizing these people and these votes of these non-citizens. Now, also at the same time, understand the following point. This is the same political party that says if somebody is not an American citizen and they're on social media uh, promoting Trump, that is election interference from foreigners. Now, how on earth can we be constantly on alert or told to be on alert from foreign entities interfering in our elections because of posting things on social media, but those same people were told should be allowed to actually vote in local elections? How much sense does that make? Look at the weather in moments. Relatively nice couple of days. Right now, the the, uh, latest news update. From Cutter 10 News, I'm Jesse Inman. A former Missouri State University student is charged with making terroristic threats. Authorities say Aaron Brown began sending threatening emails with references to mass shootings to university employees in February this year while he was still a student. Placed on a psychiatric hold, Brown was expelled in September after his behavior worsened. Then in November, police say Brown sent three threatening emails causing an administrator to close the dean of students' office. Brown is being held in the Greene County Jail. Community members joined parents and teachers for a protest against the Springfield Public Schools administration before the board meeting on Tuesday. The main cause for issue being discipline or lack thereof. Protesters telling Color 10 they have seen out-of-control behavior in the classroom. From Color 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. The first alert forecast sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements from Color 10, Fox 49. Meteorologist Tom Schmidt, mostly cloudy. Today's high, 58. Cloudy, 41. Tonight, there's a slight chance of afternoon showers tomorrow with a high of 57. Court orders release of 177 names of Jeffrey Epstein Associates in 2024. I imagine, like many of you, I cannot imagine that this is just as easy as that. On one hand, it it perhaps 
can lead one to believe, well, there must not be anyone that important on this list. But on the other hand, only important people had the sort of connection to fly or be flown to Epstein's child rape island. I mean, it, it, you know, these aren't the average schmucks. These aren't the yous and me's of the world. These, these were the most important, powerful people. And a lot of them may not be names that you and I necessarily know, but within their own realm of existence, they're very, very important and influential people. That's why Jeffrey Epstein spent time around them. He wasn't hanging around irrelevant people. He was hanging around world leaders. He was hanging around CEOs, the movers and the shakers. And so a federal judge yesterday, this is probably today, I suspect this would be talked about much more today if it weren't for Democrat judges in Colorado canceling the presidential election there. A federal judge ordered the names of 177 associates of the late convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein to be made public in 2024 with the unsealing of court documents. It is slated ordered January 1st, though January 1 is a holiday, so it is believed January 2nd is when this information will become public. This isn't all of the individuals it should be noted. These are individuals that have whose names are known because of victims who have come who have um, come out publicly. And I believe this is a result of a lawsuit from them in particular, but the point being here is that there are some individuals that have been named through depositions or otherwise, but their victims have not come out publicly. And because they have not come out publicly and because they were alleged victims of rape as minors, the 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 judge has determined that it is not in the public. The public's interest does not outweigh the victim's rights in that scenario to not have that information put out there. So that that's that's why some of the names are still not at this point going to be released, but some of them are. The 51-page court order first published by the Daily Mail list 187 Epstein Associates and whether their information would be unsealed and why. Um, the names and identifying information of 10 J. Doe's listed will remain sealed because they are alleged minor sexual abuse victims who have not publicly spoken about their experiences. In those cases, the public interest, again, this is what I just explained, does not outweigh the privacy interest of the alleged minor victims. It is incomprehensible to me that this list of names is going to be released. Not because the law doesn't suggest that it should be, but because our judicial system, I, I, I think we've all observed over the last several years, is completely corrupt. It protects the elites, and it goes after those that are disruptors of the elites. And to have 177 names, you know some of these names. I, I mean, all of them, not a single one of these individuals obviously wants to be named. I mean, no one 
wants to be on this list. And to some degree, they all have some clout. The, I, I mean, I, I, on one hand, I think these people have to be absolutely panicking. And, and they must be beside themselves thinking, I have to be able to stop this. These are oftentimes people that are accustomed to getting away with whatever they want to get away with. They can do whatever they want to do. Whenever there is some sort of obstacle in their way, they simply pay someone to take care of it, or they pay to take care of it, or they utilize their influence to shut people up and shut people down, and to have a judge say, well, these names are going to be released. It's a matter of public record at this point. These individuals, they, they I would think they'd just be beside themselves with the inability to do something, and I don't know what they could do. I just don't know at this point. I imagine, I don't know. I'm not sure what recourse there is for these individuals. It could be very, very interesting to see what names are on here. Now, it has been there. There have been some reports in the past of individuals whose names have come up in depositions. One of them is former President Bill Clinton. There was, uh, I believe, it was by form of deposition, deposition of one or two of the girls who talked about. No, I think it was one of uh, Clinton being there and and testified that. At one point, he, he was sitting between two girls and walked off with them out of sight. Former Democrat ambassador Bill Richardson was another one that was named as a rapist by a victim. Of course, he denied it. Um, so, you know, s- some of these have come out, but because they are names that are part of the Democrat ensemble... Most Americans don't realize that those individuals have even been named because the media is certainly not going to cover it. The only way the media is going to cover it is if there's a name like Donald Trump Jr. or Rudy Giuliani or someone like that on the list. Of course, if there are some of their friends, their allies, their buddies on there, the names of any Republicans, if there are Republicans, will be used in order to shut down any sort of condemnation of the Democrats. The way that works is anybody talks about this person, this person, this person, they're like, well, yeah, well, so-and-so was on there as well, so that means it's all okay. And a number of these, you know, in, who knows, maybe all of them are names of people that you and I don't necessarily know, but... They are important and influential in their own right. And all that, of course, being said again, I'm sure that they are going to do whatever they can in order to make sure their name's not released. But I I don't know what they can do at this point. You think, oh, well, they killed the judge. Well, the ruling's already been made. Springfield's talk went over. So that is something to look forward to in the new year. I still, in my head, it is difficult to comprehend that January 2nd, there's going to be a list of very important and influential people put out there as guests to Child Rape Island. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. A couple of your text messages. I, I do want to note that while there is obviously a great deal of focus on the Colorado um, decision to say that Trump is not eligible to be on the presidential ballot. That also, I believe, according to some of the reports, will even have an impact on the the primary 
uh, ballot as well, which makes it even more interesting that you have a number of candidates. I know DeSantis has come out and, and others that he, sh- you know, and these are individuals that would directly benefit from Trump being off the Colorado ballot or the primary ballot as well as the general election ballot. And, and they're saying that, you know, this is wrong and listing all of the tyrannical dictatorial governments that do this same thing that Democrats are now doing in this country. A couple of your text messages talking about the the judge ordering the release of 177 names of individuals that apparently were visitors of Child Rape Island, a.k.a. Epstein Island. If the list is released, I'll be waiting for all the Dems to start their uh, believe all women preaching. Oh, yes, I'm sure they will, right? Um, that died when Biden got elected president. It's very difficult to continue your mantra of believe all women when the person you support for president is accused by a woman of violent sexual assault. Uh, another noting uh, regarding possible Epstein reveal, some may be committing suicide in the near future. No, we don't call that suicide. We call that Epsteining. But it could actually be legitimate suicide. Traffic update. I'm Nick Reed. First alert forecast sponsored by Wolfpack Cleaners, your residential and commercial cleaning professionals from Color 10. Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Mostly cloudy, 58 for a high today. Clouds. Overnight tonight, 41, 57 tomorrow with a slight chance of afternoon showers. Hey, you want to hear some fun audio? I do. All wait, right. Wait, wait, wait. So, Let me okay. plug in my headphones. All right. Well, I, I've got to set her up anyway here. So, got scared. Uh, I didn't want to miss it. I know. Barbara Streisand um, is, you know, she's on uh, out there campaigning for Joe Biden because she's a working class person, not a rich one percenter, of course. And one of the areas in which she is greatly defending Biden is his age. And she complains that the media constantly talks about Biden's age, uh, but Trump is only three years younger. She then bizarrely brought up bicycle riding. Um, and I, I, without noting Biden's incident last year, which he fell off the bike in front of the cameras, but I think that's what she's referencing here. Um, in which she said, let's see next time Trump can ride a bicycle. So I, I think that's exactly what she was right, re- because she notes that, I believe she's referencing the fact that everyone knows, you know, Biden fell off the bicycle. This is one of the many examples of the fact that he's old. And she's saying, well, let's see Trump. Let's see what happens when Trump gets on a bicycle. Trump has already addressed this issue, and it was sometime in the past year. One of the greatest travesties of all is to see a person in the White House who, even after years of political experience, has absolutely no clue how to be the President of the United States. And I hope he has recovered, because as you know, he fell off his bicycle today. No, I'm serious. I hope he's okay. Fell off a bicycle. I make this pledge to you today. I will never, ever ride a bicycle. (laughs) I remember I remember it, too. As soon as I saw the headline, Streisand freaks out at media for focusing on Biden's age. Let's see next time Trump can ride a bicycle. And I remembered, I was like, I know he once promised he would never ride a bicycle. (laughs) And it was in reference to Biden, which is just so funny 
Because, of course, I mean, one, okay, Trump obviously going to poke fun at, and this is part of what Trump does, part of his personality. And and one might think, if one were to say, uh, how would Trump compare and contrast, he might talk about how great, what a great cyclist he is. No, that's not the direction Trump goes. Trump's like, I promise you, I will never ride a bicycle as president. <laughs> Do you know the other position that he took that I just always really actually appreciated hmm. was when he was asked what sort of dog he was going to have oh, in the White House yes. when he was elected. He's like, I'm not going to have a dog. We, we have to have a dog. He's like, why would I have a dog? I'm not going to be there. I don't, you know, it's like he, he didn't even, and th- this is part of what I do like about Trump as a business person. He just doesn't believe in doing things that don't serve a purpose. Uh, you know, And even there are some things that I believe he does symbolically, but he believes that the symbolism can serve a meaningful purpose, have some sort of uh, um, outcome, you know, a result. Uh, in his mind, I think having a dog didn't do anything whatsoever. The symbolism doesn't do anything. It, it there's nothing to it whatsoever. And he just, I, he's just like, I don't even. He had this whole, almost perplexed presentation as to why would I have a dog, and I, there was something about that that I think, while it can easily be dismissed as somewhat humorous, at the same time, it does, if you understand it, give you insight into his approach. And he's one of those people, and and you may know people like this in life. They just they don't do anything unless it serves some sort of purpose. Whether whether it's a good purpose, bad purpose. While so many of us sometimes we just want to quote do nothing, you know, just sit and watch TV or or just do nothing. There are certain people that I just do not think can do nothing. I think D. Wampler was that way. As low key as he was, this was one of the reasons that. Uh, he always said that he, he wouldn't go on a great escape. And he's like, I just don't think I'd be able to not do anything. And he, he just was always doing something. And I'm certainly not that way. I enjoy not doing something quite a bit. But that whole deal with the dog and, and why would I have a dog? I <laughs> thought, oh, you can really get some real serious insight into Trump's approach on things if you look at that. I will never ride a bike. The- <laughs> My husband just texted me. He said he would one-up Biden if he came out on a ripstick. On a what? On a ripstick. What's a ripstick? You don't know what a ripstick is? Maybe I do. I just don't know what it's called. It's, it's kind called. of... It's- See, here I ruined the joke. I'm like, uh, what's a rips- rip? It's Yeah, a ripstick. Look it up. It's kind of like a scooter, but you have to like... Man- <laughs> Over your body already, just knowing that rip (laughs) stick. I'm looking it up on my phone right now. Oh, here on Amazon, I don't need to rip stick trick. Oh, okay, I do know what those are. All right, yeah. Yeah, So, so for people that you don't know what it is, you've they it looks almost like a skateboard, but you don't you in order to get it momentum, Mm -hmm. you go back and forth, and they have like the scooter ones, too. Okay, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I'd love, I would. I'd almost vote for Biden if he promised that if he got reelected, he would get on a Segway. No, not <laughs> not not a Segway, a hoverboard. Oh, that would I, the, be really I good. would almost pay for that. I I just could see the sort of I don't know if you've seen some of those videos with adults that get on them and their top half mm-hmm. stays as stationary as possible, but the bottom half starts going back and forth, real herky jerky. Man, that is I'd exactly love to see what that. would happen with Biden. Oh yeah, 
<laughs> a ripstick. That's great. Uh, coming up, a... Uh, oh, no. Okay, I want to play the story. I have so much here. Color 10 did a story last night regarding the protest that the teachers and teachers union, people associated with it, outside the school board meeting, there's this battle going on between the teachers union and the Springfield Public School Administration in terms of disciplining kids. And it has become a public battle in which it, as a absorber of official statements released from both sides, to me, it seems that you have the teachers' union side saying, we have a real problem here. We have a disciplinary problem here. Uh, the kids are, uh, you know, it's getting worse because of the way that the administration is dealing with it. And my inference is that the public school district's position is the teachers' unions are the problem here because they won't shut their mouths about this. And it's really not that big of a problem. We have it under control. We have it taken care of. So I want to play the story coming up that they had on Color 10 with this or regarding this last night in just about 60 seconds. I'm Nick Reed. Sarah Myers. Thank you. Pyramid Roofing Company. You know, the winter weather, it will be here before you know it. And if you are preparing your home for that colder weather, don't forget to put gutters and uh, roofs on the maintenance checklist. And the best way to keep your gutters and your roof in working order is to schedule a roof inspection. And you can do that with the Pyramid Roofing Company. That's a great way to check for damage from those summer storms. Plus, it can give you a little bit of peace of mind as we do uh, move into winter. And whenever you call for that roof inspection, the Pyramid team, they're going to come out. They'll check your gutters, your vents. They're going to check for nail pops, issues with flashing. uh, And then they're going to walk through that roofing process with you. And maybe you just need a roof repair or maybe it is time to go ahead and get that whole roof replacement whatever the case is the pyramid team they're going to be upfront and honest with you on your needs and then they'll get y'all taken care of now you can find all of the contact information for josh and his team under the sarah's endorsements tab at ksgf.com for several weeks now i've been clearly not daily but whenever there would be new information or statements released sharing with you the complaints, the concerns that the Springfield um, union, the teachers union, has publicly let me know that they have with the way that the administration is handling disciplinary issues, saying that things are not getting better, they're worse. And expressing that in their assessment, this is not being dealt with, this is being ignored. The problems are not being fixed. The administration's officials. So anyway, last night they were going to hold a protest outside of the school board meeting. Color 10 was there, and here is that story from last night. Teachers and community members protested this afternoon outside of the Springfield Public Schools administration building. The teachers union says the district is slacking when it comes to student discipline, but school officials have pushed back, saying they're doing now more than ever. Color 10's Parker Padgett is live in Springfield after attending that protest. Yeah, protesters I spoke to say they've endured many instances of out of control behavior in the classroom, while school district officials tell me they're trying to work with the teachers union to find a solution. We continue to focus on student discipline and student behavior. It is a key part of our strategic plan. I feel like I need to get the support here to get the change. 
Part of St. Louis Street lined with protesters concerned for the safety of students and educators. I wanted to get it out there for the opportunity for people that know that this is happening or feel the same way for them to be able to come and show that we also acknowledge this is happening. It's all focused on discipline. While the teachers union says teachers aren't getting enough support. I, I'm trying to, you know, pay attention to what things need to be discussed and addressed. And um, discipline is one that I don't see going away anytime soon unless something changes. The district says they're actually disciplining more than usual. Student disciplines are up over this time last year. So what that shows us is more teachers are referring students for discipline and more administrators are applying the scope and sequence in the discipline. Protesters I spoke to off camera say they've endured instances of kicking, hitting and spitting from students, but say nothing changes. What we've heard in, in recent conversations with SNEA leadership are um, some broad generalizations. And so we have followed up to request more information so that we can investigate, look into it and see uh, where we can address those concerns. Everything that comes to me has already been to an administrator. That is the administrator's decision that we have an issue with. We want to make it very clear we continue to listen and view collaboration as more important now than ever before. Hall tells me the next chance for school district officials and the teachers union to discuss this issue is at their next monthly meeting in January. Reporting live in Springfield Park for Paget, Color 10 News. So that's the story. I think I said school board meeting last night. I believe it was actually yesterday afternoon. But you heard a bit of a back and a forth there. And again, I talked about this yesterday, and I should note that I received, as I always do when this issue comes up, numerous communications from individuals that either work in the school district, are married to, or family members with people who work in the school district, or are just, you know, they have a lot of friends or a lot of people that go to their church work in the school district, and it is a pretty universal message that it is out of control. And that there is an overwhelming sense that teachers are either not allowed to or they do not get the backing from the administration to do what is necessary in order for this problem to be taken care of. I want to equate this to something because I believe that there is, whether this is deliberate or not, information that was presented in that report from the school district that could mislead people. And what was noted here is that uh, the num it was Stephen Hall, chief communication officer for SPS, saying that the, the um, Number of, I think you said referrals are up for discipline. And that what this means is um, you know, that um, you know, things are, are being held or they're, they're being uh, taken care of, they're being dealt with. Simply because you have an increase in students that are sent to the office or referred for discipline does not mean that things are being done effectively. In order to illustrate that, I will point to the fact that in the major cities where we have crime problems, it doesn't matter how many arrests occur when those who are getting arrested know that they're not going to face any sort of real punishment. You can quadruple the number of arrests. 
In fact, when you look at some of the most serious offenders, and this is one of the areas where so many Americans get frustrated, these individuals that commit these crimes, and then there will be a an arrest record 20 feet long. So simply noting the number of arrests does not mean that there is an effective punishment that is taking place, or if you don't want to call it, it doesn't even have to be punishment, but an effective approach being taken. You can tell teachers, oh yeah, send them to the office, or whatever that that, um, process is of getting the kid out of the classroom or attempting to get the kid out of the classroom or reporting the kid to the administration, you can say, do it all you want. If the kids know that in the end, they're not going to in any way, shape or form suffer any sort of meaningful consequence, it's irrelevant. I noted yesterday that I recognize you know, we talk about how different you know, it was back in our day and how the discipline, here's what happened, and this is what worked. And at the same time, we did generally have parents on our side and culture on our or on the side of, of discipline, if you will. Most of us, if we got in trouble at school, we knew we were going to be in even more trouble at home. That's not the way it works now, largely. So I recognize that it is, it's a much different environment. The problem, I believe, it largely stems from an administration that is trying to make everybody happy and trying to assimilate to that new culture instead of just saying, hey, just because you do not discipline your children, just because you as parents don't like the fact that we're disciplining your kids does not mean we're going to change the way we do things. It seems like an overly simplistic approach, but the number one goal ultimately to me, if I'm running a school district, should be that every classroom has kids in it that are at least willing to try and learn. They may not necessarily like it. We talk about, well, there are some kids that want to learn. Yeah, most of them they don't really want to necessarily. I mean, they, they understand the value in it and so forth, but they're not eager and excited about it. But they're willing to do it. Classrooms should be cleansed of those that don't want to do it. The problem is the school district seems insistent on keeping all those kids in there. And largely, here's a fun fact for you, each kid is money. Every one of those kids is money. So when they suspend kids, not only do their, quote, numbers look bad because it reflects a disciplinary issue, but they also don't get money for that kid coming to school every day. That's how they get their money. It all depends about what your priorities are. I know it seems overly simplistic and I don't have some sort of degree and I haven't taken courses and how to deal with such things. But it would be interesting to see what would happen if there was a school district that said, you know what, at this point, you know, three strikes are out of the classroom, disciplinary issues occur. We don't care if the parents pitch a fit. You know, we'll do the standard. You get uh, detention the first time, detention the second time, in school suspension the third, fourth time you're out of here. Oh, parents don't like it. Too bad. So sad. There is this instinct to say, but those kids need to learn as well. They're not learning anyway, and they are insistent on not learning. So why diminish the environment of learning for everyone who is willing to learn? 
might as well get those out of there that prove through their actions they have no interest in learning because guess what? They're not going simply allowing them to be disciplinary issues over and over and over and over again is not magically going to make them have an epiphany and think, well, I want to start learning. By trying to defy reality and keep those kids in school who have demonstrated they have no interest in being there doesn't help them. It only hurts the kids who do either want to or are willing to benefit from the environment. And here's another thing. The stories, I will say, about the the hitting and the spitting and the these kids should be arrested this it's assault why on earth these kids and and that may be a law enforcement issue it you know it may be something that this this administration's like hey we've tried that they won't arrest them but that needs to change as well if you assault someone just because you're a student just because you're 15 16 out if we're talking third graders i know you're, you've got a whole different scenario going on here but ultimately if we're talking about teenagers that are assaulting they ought to face charges Springfield's Talk 104. American Transmissions Talk, a text line text. I was on uh, school board for two terms. The money is why they go with in-school suspension instead of -of out-of-school suspension. ISS means nothing to the the students, and it doesn't infringe on their time or inconvenience parents. Yeah, that is part of the reason they insist on keeping the bad kids in, of course, is because they're money. And who suffers for it? It's the good kids. It's got it has to be got to be a drastic change that makes a lot of people mad in order for this to start working. And I get the distinct impression based off the public statements by the Springfield Public School System, the people who are running the schools right now who are running them, the administration, they have no interest in doing what needs to be done. Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty, uh, you, my Christmas gift to you. Like her, follow her on social media. You may not even be in the market to buy a new home or sell a new home. There's odds are in the next year you're going to come across someone who says, you know anyone good, and then you can pass that gift. You can gift Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty Forward. You can find her on social media and at ksgf.com and her Nick's endorsements. Glenn Beck Show coming up next. I'm Nick Reed. Talk to you tomorrow.